0: Vasudeva Devam Deva Devaki Paramarandam, Krishnam Vandev
1: Hi, and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila, and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Season 3 of this podcast has been all about managing anxiety. And a key skill to managing anxiety is meditation. We have a very special treat for you in today's podcast. We have a bona fide certified meditation teacher joining us. Welcome, Lavina Shamdasani, who is a student in the Gita class I teach. Lavina brings the skills and perspective of compassion cultivation training, which is an incredible addition to our learning. And we're excited at Gita Girl to have her here today to share her expertise with all of us. Jeshri Krishna, Lavina, Jeshri Krishna, Sharmila, welcome to Gita Girl, and thank you for making the time to be with us today. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you
0: also for all of your wonderful Gita knowledge. I've really enjoyed
1: being a student in your discussion groups. As you know, it's a journey we take together, learning from each other. And I'm very happy that you're on this journey with me and with the whole class. One of the anxiety management techniques from the Bhagavad Gita we've talked about recently has been to see God in everyone. In chapter 9, verse 29, Lord Krishna says that He is equally present in all beings. So seeing God in all beings and treating everyone as such is vital to creating good karma, good actions. And as we talked about in our last podcast, seeing God in others is a key tool for reducing anxiety. So, Lavina, how can Compassion Cultivation Training help us do that? That's what we'd like to learn from you today. But first, why don't you tell us what is Compassion Cultivation Training? So, Compassion
0: Cultivation Training, abbreviated as CCT, is an eight-week course designed to cultivate the qualities of compassion, empathy, and kindness for oneself as well as for others. CCT was developed at Stanford University. The premise is that we are all born with innate compassion. And as we go through the struggles of life, these innate capacities shut down or get blocked for various reasons. Compassion Cultivation is a course that is designed to help reignite that compassion and make it a constant part of our
1: awareness. So what I'm hearing from you is that we're all born with the ability to have compassion for people, and life messes us up, and then we shut ourselves down. Is that correct?
0: That's absolutely correct. Um, We shut ourselves down for various reasons. We may have had previous traumatic experiences. Our caregivers and influencers might have imbibed within us this fear of people wanting to take advantage of us. Or we Mm -hmm. do it as a method of self-preservation. But they can be a multitude of reasons why.
1: Yeah, life just sucks sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yes, and we get jaded. And we think that the best way to go about it is to block and create barriers, which then inhibit our ability to not only receive compassion, but also to give compassion.
1: That makes sense. And
0: tell us, what is compassion exactly? Compassion in CCT is defined as an awareness of suffering coupled with a desire to alleviate the suffering. Suffering, as we all know, is inevitable. We can't always get what we want, and we can't always be who we want, and so we suffer. Through CCT, we can learn to alleviate that suffering both for ourselves, which is self-compassion, and
1: for others we are more open to both offer and receive compassion. That's interesting. You said that when we can't get what we want, we suffer. Yes, that's pretty obvious to me. But this is so interesting. When we can't be who we want, we suffer. Can you explain that a little more? Sure. Uh, So
0: the get what you want is obvious.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Being who we want is a little bit more nuanced, but think, for example, that someone is an introvert and has difficulty managing themselves in social situations, and there comes their extroverted friend who is now the center of attraction. Perhaps this introvert wants to be the center of attraction as well, but it's not in their inherent nature. And so that's one example of we can't be who we want all the time.
1: And I think even when we mess up, we all make mistakes. There's a lot of self-loathing that goes on. Why didn't I perform? Why did I make that mistake? Why did I say this? Why didn't I say this? All of that rumination. I think that's also what you mean, right? When you say that we can't be who we want.
0: Yes. Being who we want can take on so many different roles and manifestations. But yes. And the ruminating is exactly what we teach to avoid in CCT. We learn how to love ourselves. We learn how to accept ourselves. And taking that one step further, we learn how to look at the wonderful qualities and celebrate what we already have. So it's almost a way of saying, I have gratitude for who I am. It may not be exactly Like this other wonderful person, or exactly the role that I anticipated having in my professional life. But I have something wonderful and I'm going
1: to really invest in that and make it grow. And then once one has self compassion, you can also have that attitude towards others, right? Correct. When we have self compassion and when we can forgive
0: our own failures and our own sort of lack of performance in our mind. We ultimately become happy with who we are, and we can then move on to naturally forgiving others. In forgiving ourselves, we can let go of that rumination. We can start to quiet the inner critic, and we can then allow ourselves to take risks again, to try
1: again from a safe place. My next question was going to be, what are the benefits of practicing compassion? But I think you covered that. This all sounds fantastic to me <laughs> as a better way to live.
0: Yeah, I can share a couple of points on how CCT helped me, if right. that would help you. Thank you, it would help all of us. So for me, CCT, um, other than helping develop a mindful awareness that I then brought into my everyday life, it also helped me manage a couple of challenging relationships I was having at the time. I was able to make peace with those relationships while maintaining my boundaries and being self-compassionate and also remembering to be compassionate to those people as well. We remind everyone who takes CCT that the general true nature of most people around us is also compassionate. Mm.
1: Rather than viewing people when you're jaded, as I think we all are to a certain extent, viewing everyone as sort of people who don't have their heads screwed on straight. Yes, or friend or foe. Basically, within 30 seconds of
0: meeting someone, we have done a quick appraisal of what category we put them in, how we're going to treat them. We decide if they're going to help us or hurt us, and that's that. So compassion cultivation teaches us how to remain open, how to let go of our biases let go of our judgments. And even when there is good reason to shut down because you've had a difficult experience with someone, we still encourage some level of openness down the road because, you know, situations change, people change, we change. So remaining open to new beginnings.
1: And this is why I love CCT, because it's so parallel to the Bhagavad Gita. In chapter 9, verse 30 of the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna explicitly advises us to be open to the possibility and give people the room to change. He says that even the worst person can change and rightly resolve, and we should allow that change to happen. And being open to that possibility doesn't mean open to getting hurt, but open to the possibility that things might be different rather than carrying the burden of this is going to suck.
0: Exactly. You touched on a very key point. I'm not talking about the kind of open that would lead to a dissolution of our own boundaries, mm. but open to opportunity. I can say for myself that the Levina that I am today is different from who I was five years ago and vastly different from who I was ten years ago. So relationships that I have now
1: will look different. Yeah. And giving everybody else that benefit to change. Absolutely. My question is. When going through challenging situations or dealing with challenging people, how do you keep your own personal boundaries intact and prevent them from being dissolved and maintain your self-compassion when somebody else is trying to encroach on it?
0: Okay, I'm going to answer that, but you don't want to talk about seeing Krishna
1: in everyone? I do, I do, but I struggle with this. Okay how not to let somebody else or a situation dissolve your personal compassion that way you're now encroaching on my compassion for myself.
0: So this is a forever work in progress. Mm. I can say that I practice and have been practicing for four years, but even so, I might lose sight of my boundaries. And how do we maintain our boundaries with firmness, and resolution is to create that space between trigger and reaction. Mm. It's to actually create a lot of space even after a trigger so that we can then assess, is this situation encroaching on my boundaries? And how do we know if it is? Well, this is why emotions are helpful. They tell us when we feel violated. They tell us when we feel disrespected. We feel angry, we don't need to act on that anger, but anger is telling us that somewhere our boundaries have been crossed. And so in compassion cultivation, we sit with the energy. We let the energy pass. And for me, I can say that even though I might not act out anger, I feel it inherently within me. When I've been violated, my body knows, my mind knows. And then it's a coming back to the trigger and saying, hey, I'm not okay with this. Let's try it another way. How about that? And we do it with compassion so that we can be heard and we can come to a pleasant understanding. So really the key is expanding that space between trigger and
1: action for me is how I maintain my boundaries. That makes so much sense. And what I'm hearing from you is it's back to this idea that Lord Krishna keeps talking about, not overreacting in the moment, keeping your equanimity, keeping your poise, and then to rationally act after some introspection and some understanding of, wait, what am I going through first? Yeah, what just happened here? Exactly. And taking the time to actually figure that out before you react and then acting in a skillful e- manner. Right. Skillful manner. Exactly. When you say skillful, can you elaborate a little more on that, please?
0: Sure. It's funny because you start out by saying how the Gita teaches us to live skillfully. So that's your introduction. Mm-hmm. Gita what I mean by skillful behavior is to pause and curate a compassionate response to a trigger which hopefully will result in a mutual understanding and a positive outcome. Impulsive reactions, on the other hand, more often than not, are unskillful, not well articulated, and perhaps even hurtful sometimes. Instead of leading to a positive outcome, we now may have said things we didn't mean and ultimately made a situation worse by crossing someone else's boundaries. Whereas unskillful behavior is usually a reaction rooted in anger and a foggy mind, skillful behavior is a response rooted with clarity and contemplation. And for me personally, I find that oftentimes our urgency to react actually is rooted in fear. Fear of being dismissed, disrespected unloved, invalidated. But taking some time to contemplate a situation and respond at a later time doesn't mean you are dissolving your boundaries, right? It doesn't mean that you are now invalidated just because someone said something. You are still you, whole, loved, and giving a situation space doesn't change that. In fact, it maintains your integrity, helps you remain compassionate, and sometimes when you've had time to consider all perspectives, when you've given a situation space, you may realize
1: that the issue doesn't even need to be addressed or responded to. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. That was hugely helpful for me personally. (laughs)
0: happy to share and learn alongside with you. This all sounds theoretically very doable, but practically it is indeed very challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, sure.
0: But we get better each time we try.
1: So then back to the task at hand, how do we see God in all beings? What does CCT advise us to do to engage in this practice?
0: So going back to the verse that you recited and having been a student in your Bhagavad Gita class, I believe that Krishna is asking us to see the divinity of his creation in everyone. Right. Essentially to see Krishna in everyone and thereby to treat everyone as one would treat Krishna. Correct. If you see Krishna in someone, now you're envisioning Krishna, of course, you're going to treat him like your honored devotee right? Right. Easier said than done. Yes. (laughs) And certainly anyone that has been a parent can agree that even though we as parents are predisposed to unconditional love for our children, we can hardly see our children as divine creatures all the time. That would be a daunting task. Yeah. So a parallel path to do this that we teach in Compassion Cultivation is to always remember and keep in mind the shared human experience. And what I mean by that is that ultimately, we all want to be happy and we all want to be free of suffering. And at this very basic level, we are all the same, all striving to make a good time of this thing called life. So while we may be different outside in the way we look or identify, at our very core is the same vulnerability. We all seek to love and be loved. Recognizing this vulnerability is a parallel method that allows us to see the goodness in everyone. So when we bring this back to the teenage perspective, we can understand that they are simply doing what they need to be happy and free of suffering. And their version of happy and free of suffering might not align with a parent's version of happy and free of suffering. So a teenager, to maintain autonomy, may want to keep a very messy room. That's their happy. That's their free of suffering. This is my space. I control it. I really need to control this 150 square feet of space, Mm -hmm. right? A parent doesn't see it that way. But when we connect back with how everyone is simply trying to be happy and free of suffering, we can relate. We can bring a whole new perspective about the people in our lives. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. I like that, our common humanity, that we all have the same goals, to be happy and free of suffering. And for all of us, we have different perspectives.
0: And while we have a certain set of ethics and morality, how we go about achieving our happy and free of suffering might be different. It might look different for you. It might look different for me. It might look different for our children, for our friends. And maintaining that everyone is entitled to their version of being happy Mm -hmm. allows us to see them in a new light and allows us to treat them with respect.
1: I like that, what you just said, maintaining that everyone is entitled to have their version of being free of suffering. Because what happens for me, um, I wonder why their version of free of suffering is so different than mine. And then I get judgy.
0: Right, what it allows us to do is to say, hey, you do you. As long as you're not hurting me, as long as you doing you is not causing me to suffer, It's all good, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the you-do-you of your version of being happy and free of suffering. Now, when boundaries are crossed, that's a whole different matter. But it can bring to light, like we discussed earlier, if there's unskillful behavior cutting through, seeing the vulnerability of this person is just trying to be happy and free of suffering. Or if there's different behaviour. It may not even be unskillful. It's just different from your happy. Right. This is what makes them tick. This is what makes them happy. So, as long as they're not causing harm to you or to common humanity, they can go about doing their version freely. And we can respect that.
1: Yeah, I love what you're saying. And it's in chapter 12, verse 12 of the Gita. Lord Krishna says, Surrender, let go of our attachments, expectations, judgments, and only then will we find peace. And I think this is a parallel to what you're talking about here. Absolutely parallel. Letting go of all our preconceived notions and all the ruminations that we have in our mind that this one should be doing something or shouldn't be doing something. It's all garbage. Absolutely. And a lot
0: of it ultimately doesn't even matter. I mean, if you give it some space, you can live in parallel with people doing things differently. You like to count from one to 10. Someone else likes to count from 10 to one and you shouldn't
1: judge and you should let them do their thing. And not get irritated and then ruin your own peace and then act towards them in an irritated way and create bad karma for yourself.
0: Again, as long as they're not causing harm and they're living peacefully and doing their thing, It's just a different approach.
1: That's fantastic. So we have the common humanity. Now, how about if the person is, in your opinion, objectively or subjectively doing some harm to you? That person is difficult to deal with. How do we see the divinity, God, Krishna in that person? How about cultivating compassion for that difficult person?
0: Mm-hmm. So in compassion cultivation, we try to refer to those relationships as challenging relationships. Uh, we don't want to
1: label anyone. Uh-huh. Aha. Okay, so got it, got it. Very love careful. it. So letting go of even that, I like that. Coming with a bias that this person is difficult. Yeah, love that.
0: So if a person is challenging, a relationship that we're in is challenging, we try to separate the person from the behavior. So while we may condemn the behavior, we can still feel compassion for the person. We can still remember that they too have a legitimate aspiration for happiness and the desire to be free of suffering. Perhaps we can, in looking at their vulnerability, identify with an unmet need underlying their unskillful behavior, right? that's why they're a challenging person. We talked about how we can have skillful behavior when our boundaries are crossed, but not everyone is on that path. Mm. So when someone presents with unskillful behavior, then they become a challenging person for us. Right. And if we can cut through that behavior and look deep into that vulnerability, that this person has a legitimate aspiration for happiness and to the best of their ability, simply trying to be free of suffering. And if we can connect with that unmet need, we might be able to look past the unskillful behavior. Also, people who challenge us are our greatest teachers. We might take a moment to shine light on our own areas of growth and look into, well, why did this person's behavior trigger me? And what that does is it helps us bypass that cycle of hate and avenge, hate and revenge, right? So you don't engage in avenging yourself, but you let go and break that cycle and always maintain a sense of respect for that person. And in breaking that cycle, what we do for ourselves is we can then focus on cultivating our own joy instead of ruminating in the poison of hate. So what I'm trying to say essentially is that forgiving and not engaging in that cycle might be an act of self-compassion towards ourselves
1: Mm, mm. because it frees us and allows us to cultivate our own joy. You said the cycle is hate and avenge, hate and revenge. It's parallel,
0: but you don't get into that cycle of, hey, this person did this to me I'm now going to go and double. Oh, double down. Yeah. Right. The saying is that hate is never cured by hate. Hate is only cured by love. You've heard about that phrase, I'm sure. In maintaining a sense of respect for that individual, in letting them do them in their be free of suffering and wanting to be happy, we don't engage in the cycle. We release ourselves from this cycle. And all the while we have maintained respect for this person. We haven't, in Bhagavad Gita terms, indulged in bad karma. right? And we are at peace because we're not engaging in that he, she did this to me. And now I'm going to do twice as bad. I'm going to make, show them what it feels like. And guess what? Now I'm not doing what I really should be doing, which is setting my intention for living out a better life for myself. So in freeing ourselves from that cycle, there's joy to be had for ourselves.
1: Yeah, I love that because it's true. If they hurt us, we hurt them. There's even more karma between us. And we want to actually extricate ourselves from that and say, okay, maybe this is a person I need to wish them well, wish them on their way, and then focus on myself and maybe creating a new relationship or getting support from somewhere else. Or focus on bringing joy back into my life rather than engaging in this cycle of hate with this person.
0: Right. And all the while remaining compassionate towards this person. By remaining compassionate, we still have empathy for their suffering. Okay. You know, We don't look down upon them. We don't pity them. We don't judge them. We understand that they're struggling with something and we have compassion for it. Um, And so we're always maintaining equanimity when we think about this person.
1: And not getting overreactive, ruminating, or even, God forbid, taking joy in their pain. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, right at the beginning of the podcast, sort of being closed to our compassion and not allowing ourselves to feel compassion for their pain. We're shutting down and saying, you know what, you're in pain, I don't care. So we're preventing ourselves from getting closed off like that. Is that correct?
0: Yes. As we keep saying to ourselves that just like me, this person wants to be happy and free of suffering. As we keep saying that, and in the beginning, it might sound like it doesn't mean much, but that phrase takes on greater meaning as we practice it. And automatically, then we don't judge their path to being happy.
1: And repeat for our listeners, if you don't mind, that phrase, that practice, so that we can, myself included, start imbibing it into my day-to-day thoughts. So one method we can bring as we encounter people, and
0: we can practice not only with our loved ones, not only with neutral people, but like you said, with also with challenging people, is just silently reciting to ourselves that just like me, This person wants to be happy. Just like me, this person wants to be free of suffering. There's one exercise you can try. It's called a compassion walk. And as you're walking through the park or you're doing your errands in a grocery store, you could really see the people you encounter and consider as you bring them into your gaze that just like you, this person wants to be free of suffering. And all of a sudden, it cuts through to their basic common humanity that you share with them.
1: I love that. That's fantastic. And I hope when I have unskillful behavior, which at times we all do, do. that other people can have compassion for me too.
0: Yes. That would be nice. If we all carry this little pocket of compassion, think about how we would transform the world. Yeah, All these compassion beings all over the universe sending light and receiving light. If we all just did our part, we could transform this place. When we naturally respect and recognize the person's legitimate need to be happy and free of suffering and they're entitled to it, we automatically say it is what it is. And we spend less time ruminating. We don't have to stop ourselves from judging. It just naturally is the result of that thought process. It's just a byproduct of thinking along those lines.
1: Excellent. So Lavina, in your expert opinion, would you like to share anything else with our listeners today? I am very much the student, hardly (laughs) the expert, and I
0: would definitely like to share that with everyone today. But yes, there is one other thing um, that we teach in compassion cultivation is this idea to recognize the inherent goodness within our true nature, which is compassionate, and to remember that most others are also compassionate beings. You will be surprised how the slightest of sweet gestures, a smile, a good deed, is returned by perhaps two times the smile or an even more generous act of kindness. So simply trying to actually see people, appreciate them, look into their eyes, say thank you, and connect with common humanity and see how that feels, not only for yourself, but how you might get a response from doing that. In remaining open to people and to the common shared experience, we can also alleviate our suffering. And that leads us to be even more compassionate beings. So in opening to shared humanity, we don't wallow in self-pity, which is isolating and lonely, but we open, we connect, we transform our suffering, or we might think for a moment that perhaps we cause someone Mm. to suffer in the way that we are suffering now, and we learn from our suffering. So that's another benefit of remaining open to common humanity and the good that it brings us.
1: Excellent. For me, recognizing the inherent goodness and compassion within our true nature and the true nature of others is another way of saying that God is in everyone. Thank you, Lavina, once again, for sharing your wisdom with us. And this was so incredibly helpful for me. And I'm sure fantastic for all our listeners to share with us a parallel perspective on how to actually practice seeing God and having compassion for everyone. This was an incredible tool. It's been a pleasure.
0: I really, as always, enjoy these discussions with you, Sharmila. And um, as I said, we're all students on this journey. And when we trip up, we forgive ourselves and we start over. And we get better and better with each day that comes. But thank you so much for having me.
1: As we always say on this podcast, you've got to start somewhere, start small. So to all our listeners, what was it again? I have to say, what was it again? (laughs) Tell me. Just like
0: me, he or she wants to be free of suffering. Just like me, he or she wants to be happy.
1: I've got it. Just like me, he or she wants to be free of suffering. Just like me, he or she wants to be happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, everyone, please spread the word about Gita Girl. Rate and review us. Keep practicing. And you can find Lavina on Instagram at soul.self.joy. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time
0: Jesse
1: Krishna